people can have their houses spotless and ladies can have their nails done and guys can get their cars washed, but somehow miraculously they don't have any time to take 30 minutes or something for themselves. Yes, we may not all be athletes, whatever that definition is, but our bodies are tools that are meant to be moved in the natural world. We are more productive. We can execute more concisely. I think we have better ideas when we still have harmony in that natural way. So be it, you know, with my environment and using my my body as, as that tool. And I think a lot of people look at someone like me and they think, oh, you know, she she's a jock and she went to college for that and played in the pros and whatever. But what they don't realize is I keep up my physical practice because I'm just a human being. Trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Jesse from Ironclad, sitting in for Jeremy here on the Ironclad Podcast, and I'm really excited about the guest we have on today's show. She is a fashion model. She is a professional volleyball legend. Uh, she is an entrepreneur. She's an author, and she's the host of the podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. Uh, along with her husband, husband, Laird Hamilton, she runs the digital fitness coaching company, XPT, as well as Laird Superfoods. We had a great conversation about a holistic approach to not just physical performance, but mental performance and being present. It's a great conversation. Can't wait for you to hear it. Here is my conversation with Gabby Reese. Well, I want to I want to jump right in. You know, you you have so much going on in addition to being obviously a wife and a mother. You, you know, you have uh, you're an entrepreneur, and you know you have. The, I love your podcast, by the way. It, it's really great, and I I feel like the topics you've chosen are, are always super interesting. You have great guests. How how do you balance everything that you have going on in life? Because I feel like that's the big question for people who want to strike out and be entrepreneurs. How, how do you maintain that balance? Well, I, you know, some people will be listening to this, and if anyone is watching it, you can see that my hair is wet, and that's just because I just came from training. And so that decision to not be perfect, but to get my training in and to show up here, um, you know, I think that has always been something that has helped me, which is focusing on the things that are real and important and important and not worry just about how it, how it looks. Mm or for it to be perfect. I mean, yeah. Saying there aren't times that things aren't highly orchestrated, but it's about focusing on what's really important, which usually is doing the work. And when you are showing up, you're really showing up. And so yeah. I think the notion of balance is unrealistic for any of us. I think mm. we're just moving through, you know, balance. And I think if you're trying to be conscious of the buckets that you want to put your energy into, I think, um, sometimes we get distracted in ways where we feel like we have no time, but yet if we sort of uh, consolidated or isolated the things that were genuinely important to us and where we think we're trying to go, we would then also leak a lot less time and energy. Mm. Um, and that's always easier said than done. You know, it's like relationships, um, they're not scheduled or organized and sometimes someone needs to talk and that infringes on like, Oh, I have this other thing I need to do. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of, I guess if I can get as much of my external life to continuously reflect who I am as a person individually, whether it's my personal relationships, the work 
uh, things I'm taking on, um, my training life, uh, then I feel like they all sort of flow and help each other. But the, the idea of balancing is, it's impossible. Yeah. And I guess it kind of comes down to priorities where, you know, you have certain things, but there are also different chapters in life where you have to reevaluate priorities and certain things. So how do you create those priorities so that, you know, this is where I'm going to spend my time. This is where I'll be present. And how often do you reevaluate them? You know, I, I liken it. To you were in the military, let's say, and, and you were under attack. You wouldn't say, oh, we're under attack and take the whole notion on at one time. You'd be aware that there were things coming at you and you'd have to deal with first things first. And so what I try to encourage people is, is it can be overwhelming when you take it all on mm. like, Oh, I have, I need to spend a long time with my husband. And I, you know what, I haven't read a book to my one kid in a minute and I, I kind of really need to do that. And I have seven, you know, I have a board, you know, call or meetings around work. Instead, it's like, what am I going to do first? Mm. And how am I going to focus on that? and be emotionally only um, responding to that because mm. the problem when we look at everything, we over respond yeah. and, and then we're less effective and we're tired instead of, okay, now I'm doing this. Um, and, and knowing, like you said, what buckets, you know, need what, when, and, and certainly like with my family, um, that is always going to hover at the top, but it's knowing like, for example, when you have a new child, the amount of time that you will give to your business is, is way less. And then as your kids become older and more independent, then you start to feel naturally like, oh, it, it's healthy and okay for me to go over here and, and spend more time here. So I think it's also when you're in one segment of your life, understanding like I'm doing this now. Mm -hmm. and this isn't forever. So I'm going to enjoy what this is. And I'm going to do it the best that I can because once this time has passed, I don't get it back. Yeah. And, um, and, and listen, I say that all buttoned up with a period at the end of it. Doesn't mean when I'm in the middle of it, you know, just as a, as a person or a female, you, it's very easy to also get lost in the other roles. Like, oh, I'm Laird's wife and I'm all my girl's daughters. And what about me? And am I, will I be able to express myself again in the future? And, yeah. and I think it's just really natural uh, but it, it's an everyday inventory, right? Mm -hmm. I can't like, well, how am I feeling and why am I feeling that way? And am I not verbalizing something or is this based on my fears mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, something else? Um, but it's, it's about, you know, being clear about the, what needs your attention when, if I'm thinking about next Thursday before I've spoken with you, um, that's sort of, it's sort of ineffective. Yeah. How how do you stay present? Because that that's always the struggle. Like for for me and a lot of people I know who have a lot going on. You know, it's sort of we're kind of in this era of like hustle where everyone, which is great, but sometimes it's hard to stay present. Do you have things that you do to make sure that when you're in a certain place, your mind isn't in another? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. I think being cultivated from sports, you know, you have to mm. sort. Of you know, for us, it was like, okay, point by point. And so there was a good training there in that kind of focus. And, um, and then, you know, I try really hard, like when someone is speaking to me, that I put everything to the side, or like when, let's say you're dealing with something at work, there's a mini fire, and one of your kids comes up. What I've also learned is, 
what you're feeling is really important. Can you give me one minute? Mm-hmm. I need I need to finish this up and try to instead of trying to do both. Yeah. So you're acknowledging them, but you're also saying, I, I'm not. I need to finish. I need to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, no one, you know, no one's bleeding right now, right? Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that has helped me is I actually look. You know, my husband is um, very present, and so there's been sort of this silent expectation mm. for for like over 23 years that like we're sh- like we're going to show up mm. and it's you know the other about being distracted it's an impulse mm. so it's having the, you know the strength of mind to start to recognize when the impulse takes over yeah to, hey this is starting to become a habit i need to figure out systems to put in place like anything how do i exercise better how do i eat better it's all about systems in place that then you you practice yeah Kids walk up, I put my phone, I'll literally turn it upside down and put it down. Mm-hmm. What is, um, and, and just, and just try to, to do that. But it, it, listen, it's a constant, you know, exercise. Yeah. yeah. But if you let your mind run away with you and you don't get on that, or you let that impulse run your life, I think that then all of a sudden we're led by the nose everywhere we're going instead of looking, taking a moment and saying, Okay, in this time today, for example, this morning, what is it that I would like to accomplish? How can I do that? And what things will keep me? What hurdles are there? And like do it that way so that at least you're sort of, you know, really taking a look at things and not just walking around reacting and let around because you, oh, you look up from your device and something's coming at you. And, and, and I feel like the other factor too in this is is just stress. It's like the natural human reaction when you kind of start thinking about everything you have to do. How do you keep that in check personally? That that element of like, like you said, some of it's kind of fear-based. Like, oh, if I don't respond to this, then I might not do this. And you, you, you start fighting battles in your head that you may never actually face. So how... How do you how do you personally balance that that stress? I just notice when it gets too high. I'm like, what mm. the hell am I really responding to? Yeah. And instead of just going like, oh, that's how life is, sort of saying, I'm way too close to an edge that doesn't exist. Why am I behaving in a way that's like completely unnecessary? And in the end, it's ineffective. Um, so again, you know, my my training life is about discipline. And half of why I do that is just to continue to have places in my life that I'm exercising discipline so that when things are happening in my everyday life, I can respond better, which would also, to your point about stress, you know, and also we get addicted to stress, right? We get like, oh, I have so much to do and I'm so busy and like my life is so important. It's like, hey, that doesn't make you more important or more um, productive or more busy. It just makes you like kind of spastic and all over the place. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, again, it's about going, what do I really need to focus on? Mm. What's really happening right now? But then every once in a while, like something feels overwhelming and it's having the right person or people to go to and go, hey, you know what? I'm like trying to navigate this and I feel bumpy and it's the right person to reflect that conversation off, even if it's Mm -hmm. just to look at your own field. Yeah. And, and what's interesting too is, you know, I know for, for you in particular, like there's a link between, 
you know, fitness and physical well-being and like that mental and emotional well-being. And I feel like a lot of people that seems like a foreign concept, you know, like a lot of people maybe who who aren't naturally athletic kind of think, well, that's not something in my life I really need to cultivate. I'm too busy with all this stuff. You know, what would you say to someone who either thinks they don't have the time or it's just too hard to 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 get in like a actually incorporating fitness because they don't understand that mental and emotional benefits of it? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the basic, like, we are animals. And I think our avatars are meant to be to move. Mm. And I think it goes back, back to your value system, right? Um, people can have their houses spotless, and ladies can have their nails done, and guys can get their cars washed, but somehow, miraculously, they don't have any time to take 30 minutes or something for themselves. So I think it's first, and the root of it is our value system. I, ha I have opted for certain things to go by the wayside, if need be, in order for me to have keep up my physical practice um, and understanding that, yes, we may not all be athletes, whatever that definition is, but our bodies are tools that are meant to be moved in the natural world, like mm. part of it and it is part of us. And just because we are on electronics and we're in cars and we ride in airplanes doesn't still take away biologically that we are these natural beings and I feel that we're better we are more productive. We can execute more concisely. I think we have better ideas when we still have harmony in that natural way. So be it, you know, with my environment and using my, my body as, as that tool. And I think a lot of people look at someone like me and they think, oh, you know, she is a jock and she went to college for that and played in the pros and whatever. But what they don't realize is I keep up my physical practice because I'm just a human being. Mm. And you know, we've just not, we've not remembered. And if, if, you know, this whole thing right now, it doesn't remind us with um, COVID-19, we put so many things ahead of our health. Mm. And besides our friends and family, I always remind people the number one thing you will ever own in your lifetime, all this accumulating we're doing, right, is your health. Mm. And I think it's like, pay a little bit all the time yeah each day like oh it's hard life is hard you know what someone i was just recently quoting bruce lee about don't ask for an easy life pray for the strength to deal with the challenges mm. hey life we are going to be dealing with it so let's fortify everything our mind body yeah. our spirit, so that when it's coming um but it's also again re-evaluating re what's important and what do we define as success mm. Um, that makes it easier. It, well, I think that leads to a question. I mean, I think anyone could objectively look at what you've been able to accomplish. You know, you're an entrepreneur and, and, and an athlete, like I said, a wife and mother. How do you, though, define success? What, what's your personal measure of that was either that was a, a valuable way that I spent my time or maybe I could have done better? How do you personally, you know, what is what's that metric look like for you? I think whenever, and I've had a lots of failures, um, a lot, uh, you know, athletically and in business, you know, I've bombed it many times, is when I get up each day, if what I'm pursuing feels like a real extension of who I am, it doesn't mean easy and it doesn't mean fun every minute. Um, I feel like that that's success. If also for me, if my relationships around me are rich and intact, doesn't mean perfect, 
um, and there it's like where I want to be, then I go, oh, first, this is success. Because again, it's for me, it's not about going by the rules or doing what I should be doing or what the expectation of what I'm doing. I don't think that is success. I think success is, gosh, you know what? This really feels like something um, I can put all my efforts into regardless if it yeah. works or not. Yeah. Like my real reason. And what ends up happening is, oftentimes because it's authentic or you believe in it enough times it'll work. Mm. It, it doesn't always work. Yeah. You can't learn if it always works. Well, and, and what's interesting about that is, you know, with, with, uh, XPT or layered superfoods, it's like, you can see, this seems like an extension of you, an extension of layered, like the values. It, do you remember when that when that idea kind of clicked into place? Like, oh wait, if if this is a passion, that's what that's got to be the first metric. Do you remember when you kind of had that that revelation? I was probably like eighteen or nineteen. Mm. I was really fortunate that I was faced with a kind of a dual life between working in fashion and being in in college on a scholarship playing volleyball, and because I was providing for myself, I was not reliant upon my family. I had to really kind of navigate my future. And I had someone, I had an accountant in New York ask me, why was I still playing volleyball? When, if you're in fashion, it's very fickle. It's finite. If you can even make a living at it, you're kind of really lucky. Um, and he's like, why are you playing volleyball? And even at some point I had to get, I gave up my scholarship because of NCAA rules and paid to play. Um, he was, and I, I was like, you know, it, it's really feels good to me. And that pursuit feels so good to me and it feels really honest and I feel like it's where I need to be. Yeah. Um, so I remember even then uh, being unsure and, tr but trusting it all at the same time. Hmm. And, um, and I'm, I really, I think, and I've said this many times, I think because I grew up in kind of an unconventional way, I grew up in the Caribbean, I, I, there, nobody put, uh, you know, like you'll see families where they go, well, then you graduate high school, and then you go to a university, and then you'll do this. I never had that. And so I got to kind of go based on my instincts and say, well, what feels good to me? I ended up weirdly having kind of a straight life, whatever that means, in that way. Yeah. But still, I was moving into spaces that always reflected something inside of my instinct. And then the other side of that is like, you have to be willing to like bust your ass. And yeah. sports certainly taught me that. And then, um, you know, working at an early age of like, even when it's great and perfect and lined up, you gotta, you have to work. And yeah. Just never making, never being surprised that that's part of the equation. Do, do you remember, because it's interesting too, because at some point that kind of got married to this idea of like entrepreneurism, where it's like, not just I'm going to make my own way, but it's like, I'm going to start my own thing. When did, when did that kind of come into play of like, actually, you know, starting businesses and, you know, like the podcast, like when did that kind of like, oh, I, I kind of want to be an entrepreneur. When did that kick in? You know, I think in your 20s, like I signed my, I, you know, I was playing ball and like you're kind of hyper-focused with your training and stuff. So you almost yeah. don't have bandwidth to be like, oh, what other things? However, I was on such a small sport that I always had to be aware of like the hustle, I call it. So I was doing t television and writing 
early in my 20s, right when I turned pro, because I was well aware that beach volleyball as a platform was too small to support kind of some of my bigger uh, things I wanted to explore. So all along, I was kind of bolting on side hustles that would kind of give me a little more freedom. But they were things that were out of my realm of possibility. I wasn't doing like weirdly different. It was like, oh, no, I think I could go interview athletes and talk to yeah. them about whatever. Then you're, and you're working for someone else. Like I work for Nike and then you're, you know, you're, you're sort of supporting other people's visions. Yeah. In your thirties, you go, well, wait a second. You become aware of time. Like you're, you know, time is moving and yeah. time game, you know, you better be realistic. Yeah. Going, well, wait a second. Uh, maybe I would like to own something of my own, but you don't want to force that just to do it. Mm. You, know, you don't want to like go, okay, we're selling, you know, whatever, because we want to own something. You have to, I think you're put the questions out there and then some of the things start to appear. So I think early in my thirties, I was like, it's such a, it's such a gift to work for other companies, but you know, there's a shelf life. And so you start to really reorientate to the, your, to the horizon of, okay, what if I could own something so it wasn't about me showing up and jumping up and down or having to look a certain way? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to talk about uh, XPT, and I think it's such a cool, like, just program and idea. It seems so counter to a lot of kind of fitness philosophy these days and, like, the hard-charging, like, CrossFit type of stuff where you're just like, it's where, where it's just like this embrace of pain. XPT seems more holistic and, it, you know, breathing and moving and it seems very natural. Tell me a little bit about the idea. Like wh where did it, where did it come from? Well, it's really just a natural extension of um, first Laird's lifestyle. You know, I, I've said a lot of times that I draft behind Laird. I could get stuck at my computer and completing tasks while Laird is out there really like exploring and kind of being more curious and tinkering and things like that. So we were playing pool and then we were introduced to breathing from a friend of ours, Rick Rubin, through Wim Hof. And uh, even though, you know, breathing's as old as, as the hills. And then we started doing, um, you know, they call it exposure training. We just call it heat and ice. Um, and, uh, and just, you know what it is, is I also live with a person who is still on an athletic uh, quest, you know, well into his fifties. And so here's the deal with hard charging. If you hard charge everything, you will be in a, broken and in a pile after 20 years and you can call it. And I think when you really live a lifestyle that's like, wait, how do I perform at a very high level now and in 10, 15, 20 years, right? So it's a longer pursuit. It's a longer story. And so sometimes I think when people don't haven't done it. I mean, we've done this for such a long time that I think sometimes that we're well aware of like you, something gives like knees, give hips, give like you're going to be broken. So Laird, you know, we added all these things. And then a, a woman we work with Jennifer Meredith was the one who said, you know, what you guys are doing up at your house, you should try to figure out how to kind of put a frame around it and share it with other people. And we were actually completely intimidated by that idea. We shared it we, with our friends for years but the idea of saying, okay, we have enough value in this that you can come and show up and we can somehow administer and make it worth your time. Both Laird and I were like a little, uh, you know, unsure yeah. about 
Well, it, it's so it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of the ideas that are like the cornerstone of the program are things that are suddenly more and more people are discovering. You know, we, we do a podcast with someone who's a, like a mental performance coach and he works with a lot of like MMA fighters or MLB pitchers or golfers. And the one thing when we talk to those guys over and over, it's breathing. It's, it's, there is this real value in it, but that wasn't something I was taught like in gym class. It was, it, you know, it was, Hey, how many pull-ups can you do? Can you do the V sit reach? Let's do this for someone that, you know, doesn't really know like, well, what is the benefits of, of the, the, these kind of disciplines and exercises when it comes to breathing in particular, well, how would you explain it to them? Okay, so the fundamentals of, of uh, XPT are breathe, move, and recover. Now, if breathing, you know, we say you can go, uh, you know, 30, well, you can go many days without food, you know. I mean, it's been proven, like, you know, people who've lived off sunlight and boiled water for 300 days, whatever. Um, and then, you know, sort of like water for three days, but air, it's like three minutes, right? So let's get to the basics. And so we used to know how to breathe. And then about 200 years ago, we started mouth breathing, um, which if I can break it down as simply as possible, if you are mouth breathing day in and day out, a couple of things are happening. Chances are you're vertically breathing. So that means shallow into the chest with probably a lifting versus a circular opening, expanding of the ribs, making room for the lungs and also pulling down into the lower belly. Most of us are shallow and lifting in the traps. Okay. What happens there? First of all, you're moving into fight or flight, like just on a basic level. Mm -hmm. So you're creating, you know, you're, you're upregulating or you're going, moving into fight or flight or going into your sympathetic. So you're ramped up. So if you're doing hours and hours of this every day, this is not an optimum place to, to function out of. It's stressful. And a lot of it probably has to do with that we're sitting and, you know, so we're not really pulling the breath deep. The other part of that is when your mouth is open, you're scrubbing your CO2 all day long. So if you close your mouth and you breathe in and out through your nose and the nose is able to pull the breath down into the lower belly. And if you can do that, I always tell people it's a three parts breath. If you can pull it down into your belly, you almost just push your belly out if you can't feel it naturally and then kind of open up your ribs. And I always say, you can actually pull the breath into your lats, but think of it still in that 360 mm. circular way. Two things are happening. One, and then you pull your belly button to your spine and kind of slowly exhale. Now you're down regulating. Now you're in your parasympathetic you're calmer. You're also, because your CO2 is rising in your system because your mouth is shut, the oxygen you are breathing is actually getting absorbed into the tissues and cells. Mm. So if you're talking about better health overall, if you're doing an athletic event, recovery, lactic acid gets pushed out. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other things as far as, you know, like if you sleep with your mouth closed, your myofascial development and jaw for children, um, you know, there's just a host of, of, of things. So people have to realize, I say it's free. You can do it anywhere and it's the essence of life. And so why not use it as a tool? And conversely, like, Hey, I got a big day, a big meeting. There's breathing patterns to like, let's go. Here we go. We're going to war right now and game on, or I'm in altitude. How do I scrub my CO2 and things like that? So I think it's a really simple thing. So I would just tell people, listen, if nothing else, when you're in your car and at your desk, try to be nose breathing. And really now what we're talking is probably four to five breaths a minute, mm. less, longer and fewer, not 
you know, mouth breathing 13 to 20 breaths a minute. I feel like the move aspect, I know a lot of people who, you know, they have like an assault bike in the garage or like a rower or, or they're on a running program. But if you were to ask him, hey, what's your recovery look like? What, you know, how important is that? They'll, they'll probably be like, oh, I try to get a decent amount of sleep, but they don't ever really put time into anything other than that. How important is the recovery aspect? Because even even kind of in, in the era of like modern fitness, it's something that the average, you know, person who may work out still doesn't take time to recover. Tell me a little bit, it's important, send some techniques that actually work. Well, first of all, people will oftentimes schedule in their, their rest day. And I always say, first of all, I appreciate that because they build schedules around that. But first of all, there might be your day rest day and you might feel really good and you might, you could go and you might have a day you're supposed to train and you don't feel really good. And that happens. And so what I would start with is why don't you go? And once you can actually listen to your body, pick the day and then recovery as in active recovery. So can you get in a sauna? Can you swim around in a pool? Can you foam roll? Can you stretch? So it's not just, oh yeah, Sundays I take off and I sit on the couch. Yeah. But jumpstarting and accelerating the recovery because then one, you'll be able to work harder later and continue to get those gains that you're looking for. But hopefully avoid maybe certain injuries or things later. Um, so I always tell people if they have access to the salt warmth, that's number one. Hmm. Even over the, you know, long after the ice, okay? The other thing with ice is, is don't put ice right after heavy lifting. Push ice away. Make it separate. Because if you're, ba- if you're banging iron to make these gains of strength and size, you can, uh, you know, inhibit that process if you throw ice right after. So keep that out. Heat's number one. The amount of benefits from heat is off the charts. Heat shock proteins, um, cognitive function. I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. Okay. That's one. If they, can. if they can't, hot tub, whatever. Um, I think the notion of a guy like Kelly Starrett or um, Joe Miller, Joe Miller, like yoga tune up self mobilization and care. I think that can keep us backed out of a lot of injuries. Mm. It's boring. It's unsexy. I don't like doing it. I'm bad at doing it. Um, but I notice the difference when I do. How, you know, my, my brother, actually, he, he, he went all in on the sauna deal and he got one in his garage and he actually, he'll listen to, um, like mental performance kind of exercises while he's in there for you, especially during the recovery phase, because I, you know, for me, when I'm in the move phase, it's, I'm putting in my, putting a podcast in or something just to kind of get me through it. But in the recovery, you know, I I still don't really have like a rhythm where I feel like I'm letting my mind sort of recover. You know what I mean? Like some people get in that kind of meditative. Do you feel like that's part of it? Or is it just like, no, just be disciplined, kind of get through the exercise. Or do you feel like there is like a mental aspect to the recovery process? I I don't think it's about, you know, I think our, our electronics and also holding our feelings in and things like that grind our brains harder than like, hey, listen, if you're doing recovery and you want to listen to a podcast that you enjoy and it gives you that thing for yourself, I'm all about it. I'd be more interested in getting to bed early for your whole recovery, but also you can use the breath in a real way. So, you know, when people go, I can't meditate, I can't concentrate, perfect. Do breathing exercises for 10 minutes. You can count the breast. You can go seven inhale. You can do box breathing, you know, do sevens all the way around. So even though you think, oh, I'm being distracted, 
it's still a way to take a mental break. So I, I, what I really isn't so important for me and I know for Laird and everyone at XPT is you and I are so, so similar, but yet we're different. So where can I honor you and where you're at, wherever that is in this moment in your life, based on your family situation, your work situation, what season is it, what age are you, whatever, and say, hey, listen, what's supporting you? And if you say to me, hey, look, when I do my stretches, I really get a kick out of like listening to a podcast, then I think that, that that's okay. Um, I think just taking a break and also, uh, you know, electronics right before bed, all that, I think it does fry us after a while. Yeah. Um, and also like trying to juggle 75 things all at once, all the time. I think that is the hardest on our brains. Um, and so I think that that's really important, but it's like forced meditation, right? It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You don't feel like it. You don't feel like, but sometimes you're in the mood. You're like, yo, I just want to chill and do this thing. But to be like, like, okay, uh, in three minutes, I'm going to start my, uh, my meditative practice. It's like, okay, well, we've lost the plot already. Power is literally everything to us. When you're a professional traveling as much as we do, we can't sacrifice on power to get the perfect shot. The last thing you want to be worried about is your battery. We're very selective with the brands that we trust. Not sure if we're going to have charging station, but we have an entire drawer full of core batteries. Knowing that we have power, that we can trust, we're out here on the road, it makes all the difference. Power is something that's easy to take for granted until it fails. You risk losing your data, you risk losing the stuff that you just worked so hard on. Without proper power, our equipment, no matter how great the technology, are paperweights. Just wrapped our shoot in the Philippines. Tested them in the elements, the heat, the wind, the rain. Usually when it's really cold, power gets zapped like that. It's freezing out here, and this power's been holding all day. We rely on powering products that are designed to meet our rigorous demands. So we never miss a moment. So we have the primes, we have the minis, different power solutions for different power needs. They last forever. We got a visibility on how long we have on them. Intelligent power and air travel certified. We to charge our phones and charge our devices. There are some cool things Core has in the works. Stay tuned for the Helix. As the technology of our trade gets more complex, we're confident that the power we use will not only match it, but help bring it into the future. The story doesn't stop for anyone, and that is why we choose CORE. Well, Gabby, I want to pivot to a part of the show where we, it's kind of lightning roundish where we ask the guests, you know, some real practical advice uh, about just life and business and, and, and success. And, and so I want to ask first, what is the best advice that you've ever received? Well, I had a coach tell me, you know, one was like, make the best decisions that you can, you think for the situation because then you know at least you'll be happy because it's impossible to make everybody happy. And I, I would always remind people, and this is an aside, um, you just can't take anything personal. Hmm. 
Well, if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think it would be that when you saw, when you felt the first inclination of a situation not being right or a dynamic with a person, you know, there's an expression when someone tells you who they are, believe them, to just pull the cord. Because mm -hmm. eventually you're going to be like, oh, this isn't going to work or it isn't working. And so I get to that much quicker now. Mm, that's good. Uh, you know, obviously you and Laird uh, are, are in business together, but you're also married for people out. And I feel like that's, you know, uh, especially among the young generation, the the Instagram, you know, a lot of a lot of people want to be kind of entrepreneurs, but they also want their family involved. What advice would you have for someone that wants to go into business and they, and they have dreams that they want to pursue, but they want their spouse and family involved? What What, what advice would you give them? I mean, first, if it's natural, right? Like if it seems like what not Laird and I, it was it sort of happened over naturally is everybody has their strengths. It's like being on a team. Everyone has their strengths. And so it is also, even though you know everything about your partner in the romantic way, when it comes to business, you have to let them do what they're good at. And you can't bring sort of what your personal knowledge is about them, like, oh, they don't get their underwear in the hamper as a reason why you're not going to actually follow or listen to them. Yeah. And really learned how to separate that and support them, but also learn how to shut it off so that you can have a family or romantic dynamic that doesn't always talk about your business because that's really easy to bleed in because yeah. it's part of your life, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because it's, there's no nine to five. Yeah. Just making sure you're taking care of the relationship romantically and saying, okay, when in this, when it's my turn to be in charge, that you'd actually be willing to follow me. And conversely, when it's your time, when we're in your area, I'm going to honor you. Mm. Um, I think that that that's, uh, has really been helpful for us. Um, and like any relationship and any dynamic, make sure the, communi the communication is very clear. It's very respectful. Um, and even when it's uncomfortable that you don't avoid, uh, things because they come back and they come back so much bigger. Yeah. What, what would you tell a young listener who wants to change the world, but doesn't know how to even get started? What would your advice be to them? You know, that's a, that's, I'm seeing this with one of my daughters actually, who's 16, mm. who's overwhelmed by sort of, sort of the injustices of the world. Like, yeah. like, and it's, un, it's like unfair everywhere and we see it. And uh, I think when you're younger, you're you're almost in the right way to see it. Like as you get older, you learn all of that. Like that's how it is. I think it starts first with yourself. Learn how to really care for yourself and love yourself and nurture yourself and then do that with the people close to you. And then if you can get involved in your community, because then the opportunities in where you can really impact, they're going to show up. But again, it's taking things piece by piece. If you try to go, hey, I want to make a difference in the world, you won't know how to insert yourself. So you have to start in the small ways that then lead you to maybe possibly the bigger ways um, and, and, uh, and believe that you can make a difference, but it, it's, it's a practice. It isn't mm -hmm. like, maybe you might only the first time impact one person, but that's one more person. So it's also seeing the value in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like, especially, I feel like social media kind of fosters this thing of like, well, if it doesn't have this many likes or engagements, it probably wasn't that important. But really, like on a relational level, you never know how one person could be impacted by one thing. That's really good advice. Well, my yeah. coach in college never had children. 
And um, what I call our Mother's Day, because I'm like, you had hundreds of children. And then mm. we all went out and mobilized, and maybe we impacted people. Mm. So to the point, um, Tim Ferriss said something very interesting, and he said, basically, uh, you should function like you're dealing, you're talking to a thousand people. That's really good. Gabby, what, what's one thing you think a person should do every single day? You probably have a lot, but if you had to, if you had to choose one that is practical that people could actually like, Oh, I think I could start there. Honestly, I think when we, when we start our days, I always say like, you know how, when you wake up in the morning, you know, if you're kind of on your better side or not, like if you're a little more bummed out or in the good, the upside, it's easier. I always say before I put my feet on the floor is I align myself with who I'm trying to be and where I'm trying to go before I put my feet down. And I'm reminded, even if it's two or three things, of the things that I know I'm so fortunate for because somehow this catapults you into a posture and a position that you can take on your day the right way. So when people go, oh, gratitude, I'm like, yeah, but it's not always easy to get there. Yeah. So it's a, it, it, that too is a practice. And even if you have to kick yourself in the ass and be like, Hey, listen, I'm really happy that I'm healthy. I have a roof over my head. And you know what? There's someone I'm, I love that's downstairs. Uh, okay, get up. Let's go. And, and that's something that I feel like, especially right now with what's happening in the world and this terrible pandemic, that a lot of people don't start their day with gratitude. They start it with that anxiety and fear. And that's got it. It's a challenge right now. But I feel like, man, that that is it does give you good perspective to just go out for the day, you know? I had a, a woman I know named Byron Katie. She has a program called The Work. And she said, you know, it can always be worse. Mm. And sometimes, and the other thing is like, if anyone's had something radical happen in their life, whether someone had a really heavy health thing or something, we would pray for a, a, some like normal. When you're in that, it's like, oh, here we are again. Oh, here we are again may not be so bad. Yeah. Also learning the beauty of the practice of the everyday, mm. making your bed, preparing a meal. These are ritualistic things that can be incredibly monotonous. I wanted to write a book called Death by Domestication. But if you could actually start to see the art in some of that, then that gets incorporated in the art of your living your everyday life. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's almost like those sort of, you know, in like religion circles, like those liturgical exercises. Well, we do this because it creates a pattern that we can, you know, find beauty in. Gabby, what is one book you'd encourage everyone to read? One book right now. I just read, I did a podcast with Kristen Ulmer. She wrote a book called The Art of Fear. It was quite, it was quite beautiful. Um, for entrepreneurs, um, the gentleman who used to run Disney, who just retired in January, wrote a great book. Um, it was just full of great stories. Um, I'm trying to think. I think The Art of Fear, because it really just talks about fear, depression, and facing it. Mm. And uh, because I think it's an important thing, especially in the world we live in, where, um, you know, they say in Latin, uh, to push down is depress. And so if we're trying to fight, you know, humans are anxious beings. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding biologically that was a tool used before. We just don't live like that. So now we've got these invisible fears and anxieties and what's confusing. So I think I, I really did enjoy the art of fear and just the different relationship and that fear is, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It. And, but also to go like, Oh, do I really need to be that anxious? I, I don't. 
it, and it, that takes a degree of self-awareness that I feel like it takes some time to develop. But once you have, it's like, oh, that that sort of emotional awareness that I feel like it's easy to take for granted. Yes, but also if you're if you're on your devices all day and you're laying around and you're eating like crap and you go, oh, I feel bummed out. It's like, hey, there's a bigger situation going on. Yeah. It's also about personal accountability. You know, that was the other thing in college. My coach talked to me all the time about being personally accountable. And so if something is not the way that you like it and you actually have the opportunity to participate in it changing, then do that. Um, it doesn't mean it's gonna go exactly how you want, but begin the process of participating and making that shift. And I think whether you're an entrepreneur or you you know go to a different job or whatever, this is a fundamental element of living of saying, oh, can I control that? I can't. Okay, I can't worry so much about it. This, I don't like it. I've been bitching about it. Can I participate in making it better? Yes, I can. What can I do to do that? And I think that is really important. All right, action. So we'll do our wide and we'll do our close up here. Scene 101A, take three. Guys, is this my trailer? Let's do one of these and then we're good. All right, ready? That sun comes out for real right there. That's worth the fight. Three, two, one. Woo-hoo! Gabby, we like to, to end most podcasts by asking hosts to issue listeners a one-week challenge. And, and, you know, it's a little different than like the daily habits, but something where it might not be sustainable long-term. But for one week, if you did this, it could really make an impact. If you had to issue listeners a one-week challenge for, for it, it, to get some perspective, what, what would that be? Right now, it, it would be like a two that would live together. One would be to, to nose breathe, breathe in and out. Catch, notice, catch yourself if you can. Just go, oh, I got to close. Unless you're running on a track somehow, you found a track that you can legally go on to. Yeah. And the other would be notice if you get your back up about something. Um, because we only react to things usually that are, in, are close to something that we're dealing with. So if we get defensive or angry, Instead of being defensive or angry, go, gosh, I should probably look at that because something in that is true enough that it's making me react that way. So because you're in close quarters, that's why I'm bringing that one up. Mm-hmm. If your partner or a kid or somebody says something to you that you kind of get like, I don't do that or whatever. Instead of doing that, see if you can be like, well, let me take a look at that mm-hmm. and, um, and try to see because I think right now we are so close that um you know love and empathy for ourselves and the people we're around is super important yeah and uh and and you know i think right now if they they could start there even like if they have a knucklehead boss right start there and uh and and work from there because then you also waste a lot less energy well, Gabby, that's such great advice. And this was such a fun interview. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk. And it, man, I feel like I learned so much and I'm, I'm going to be really cognizant of my breathing. Like now I'm like, I wonder how often I, I'm intentionally, you know, not doing it correctly. But it's great advice. Like I said, I really appreciate you taking a, a little bit to chat with us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I, I just hope that, um, you know, people don't let their fear of failure um, get in their way of wanting to try something new. And I know, especially right now, it feels so daunting because there's so many unknowns. But the other thing I want to remind people is some really good ideas 
are going to come out of this. So if the more that they can get in touch with themselves and what they, th- they want to do, um, then they might be more locked and loaded because they've had this time to do that. So when things open up, they can, you know, they can go for it. All right. See, I told you a fantastic interview. How many of you listening to that were doing breathing exercises while you're listening? What I was doing the interview and I was trying to breathe through my nose while I was doing it. Very, very cool uh, interview. And hey, if you want more from Gabby Reese, be sure to check out her podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. You can also follow her on Instagram at Gabby Reese. And while you're over at Instagram, make sure to follow This Is Ironclad for all the latest and be sure to check us out at thisisironclad.com. All right. We'll see you next time on the Ironclad Podcast.